0: Podski with John Baker. For over one year, the revolutionary force in audio entertainment. Ooh yeah! Brother, let me talk to ya. Freak out, freak out. I
1: just had an of body experience.
0: The insane in the membrane. Brother,
2: yeah.
0: And I'm here for only one reason, and that's to take it to the limit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Living
2: on the edge. Who is your daddy? Hello and welcome to the PodSki. I'm your host, the Man of a Thousand Gimmicks, Johnny Bake Show, episode 71. And we're back with the PodSki 100. Today we're going to be doing 80 through 71. So if you haven't seen 100 through 81, you can catch that in the archives. We're going to be going over all of that as well. Uh, we got full crew here today. Uh, not not everyone is live. We're going to be pi- piping in the other the other two Jeb Browns, but uh, we got uh, Justin Andretti and I here. We're going to cover it, and we're going to talk about some things beforehand. But uh, what's going on, Andretti? I saw this Mexican
0: guy today walking down the street with a mullet that had the sweetest New York Giants starter jacket (laughs) that I have ever seen in my life. And it was just, he was in all his glory, dude. And it was just when your team sucks and you're still rocking that gear and you're all in, dude, I love that so much. He was, he was the man.
2: Oh yeah. I love that. I've done that way too many, way too many years. Speaking of that, if you want to catch out, if you're into that, uh, we got that. So dolphins talk, we're going to be, uh, doing those every single post game. So we got a game review uh, that'll be coming up uh, that will already got it this week. So uh, yeah, we got a big one with the chiefs this weekend. so it will be a good one. That'll be, that'll be before your, uh, before your wake up call. It's at 9 30 AM on the Eastern time. Good, good guys. 9 30 Eastern. Yeah. They're in Germany. Why are they playing the game at 9 30 Eastern? They're in Germany. What's that? They're in Germany. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Literally the game for the AFC top seed is going to be in Germany not at not in America at a home field yeah because oh. the Chiefs wanted to have the Bears game at home this year what uh do you know where they're playing in Germany where are they Munich I think Munich okay I, I'm pretty sure. a great city
0: I got real drunk in Munich a couple times <laughs> really
2: <laughs> oh yeah not, not even at
0: Oktoberfest either man we were just over there we went uh we went over there for our honeymoon, and we were on like a tour, and uh, we were in Munich for a couple days, and we stayed at this super expensive hotel. It started with a V. I forget the name of it, but they had like a a full a full breakfast every morning with all these insane sausages, and I just was a, a complete glutton for probably three days straight. <laughs> Drunk out of my mind on, at, at the Ratskellers, and then just drinking, eating sausages and croissants every day for as much as I could get. <laughs> Dude, I would go back to Munich just to get that breakfast. I, I would fly to Munich to get that breakfast. <laughs> just a hundred sausages worth. hundred sausages. I would do it right now.
2: Uh, yeah, and uh, it's it's there's this is a good time for, uh, it's a good time in wrestling right now. I wanted to talk to you about like what why is why is WWE seem to be like they're they're hot right now after literal years of dumpster fire. They finally have like figured it out and they're like on a big upswing and it doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. It seems to just be getting better and better every week. And then on the flip side, it's seems like AEW can't do anything or get any traction. And it feels like we've already talked about this a few weeks ago when we did the, uh, AEW versus NXT show for the title Tuesday show. But I just, this just feels like it feels a little redundant that we're talking about it, but it feels, it feels important because what WWE has done in the last like calendar year and a half, like it doesn't, it just feels like they're, they're finally figured it out. I don't know what it took. I guess, did it, did it take, is it a difference of the leadership with Vince leaving and triple H fully taking the reins or is it creative decisions that have been because of the change or is it the fact that they literally just figured it out and they finally turned reigns heel or is it all three of them together? Well, I
0: think it's all three. I mean, they, it, it, you know, having, uh, having triple H be the head guy with the creative is a big deal. You know, he was running NXT when NXT was great. You know, when, a couple of years ago when they had, when they were just running excellent shows week in and week out, um, all the talent that you're seeing right now on the main roster or his people, you know, they're people that he brought into NXT, or he wanted to bring into WWE that they developed and they're and they are now in those positions where um, they can be successful. I mean, you just take a look at the um, take a look at the trajectory just of LA Knight, people hey, it's a triple H guy, you know I mean? That's a, that's a guy that triple H has wanted to bring in for a long time. He finally got, you know, Got I uh, got them to come in and they now they're pushing them. And Vince wanted to destroy that guy. You know, I mean, there's there's countless, there's countless of those. There's countless examples of those. I mean, Becky Lynch is is arguably the number one women's wrestler ever. And you know, Vince had her as a comedy goofball for how, for a couple of years after she went away when she had the kid. You know so i mean it was it's it's just a a lot of that there's a lot of people like that that um they just got trapped with Vince um and Vince just didn't see you know didn't see a vision for them and then and now triple H is in charge and they're kind of repackaging people a little bit and they're kind of they're covering up some of the mistakes that were made. I mean I mean Nakamura has proven that he's a he's still a world class talent man and and Vince saw nothing in that guy man for a long time I mean you saw those matches he had with Rollins he's fantastic I mean they made Rollins into a little bit of a geek too there for a bit and he still he still dresses like a moron you know but but he's one of the best wrestlers in the world yeah. and finally he's getting his shine I mean it's not it's not a secret I mean when you when you've got you know Tyler Black was Triple H's guy he's always been Triple H's guy even from the ROH days he was the guy Triple H really wanted to bring in, you know. They brought him in. He had an unbelievable career with with Vince at the at the helm, but it kind of really, kind of really trailed off there for a while, you know. And then they bring back the big gold belt, which is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Triple H puts the big gold belt on his guy. I mean, that's I mean, you're just that's just an example. I mean, that's what it is, man. I mean, you you've got a different guy in charge who who is a new. Uh, you know, a new coach or a new GM or however you want to say it, that, that's bringing in his own players, and his players are starting to shine. And now, now I'm not going to say it's perfect because there's still there's still some examples in there where you know people have kind of slipped away a little bit. Like we haven't seen, um, uh, oh god, what's the girl's name from Vegas? The one that was uh, uh, Zoe Stark. Um, we haven't seen her in a couple of weeks. I don't know. Maybe she's injured. I don't know. Maybe she's injured. But you know, I think. Um, you know, we, that's kind of trailed off a little bit um, with her. But, you know, there's still, I don't know why they haven't pulled the trigger yet on the on the Street Profits thing with, you know, splitting them up and and making, you know, Ford a single star. I'm not sure why they haven't done that yet. But, you know, there, there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time for that. But um, there's, you, it really feels to me like this is, we're potentially in a, in a position right now where the WWE is going to be better than it's ever been in our lifetime. You know, top to bottom. I'm talking, I'm talking top to bottom, all the way from the bloodline, the bloodline storyline at the very top, all the way down to some of the stuff in NXT. That, all the way top to bottom. Um, we're in a position right now where where this could this could really be what it always should have been, which is really good storytelling, great matches. That that's been the biggest gap that they've had for, for 20 years, maybe even more than that, was just the fact that you can get better match quality outside the WWE. Mm-hmm. But Triple H is a match guy, you know, and, and it's it's like we're starting to see matches on Raw that, that are like, hey, man, that was for that every every single week we're saying it now. It's like, you know, hey, for that being a Raw match, that match was really good, like because we're comparing everything to what happened in over the last 20 years, right, where matches were on TV. It didn't really matter at all right they were just out there to do, do their thing five minute matches whatever but now we're seeing really good stuff every week on raw and, he, and on smackdown too man and i i mean hats off to him i really hope they can keep it going because this is a really exciting time to be a wwe fan
2: yeah it's really funny that you mentioned the that tyler black or seth rollins is a triple h guy because literally they crowned him the the, the first nxt champion at that first nxt like pay-per-view so I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that but yeah you're right and they literally cr- came out and crowned him like uh, that that really speaks volumes and then you know fast forward that he was the guy that you know cashed in at the end of that Wrestlemania 31 and then you know he had the, the Wrestlemania match with Triple H I'm pretty sure he has Triple H's last Wrestlemania or no he doesn't have Triple H's last Wrestlemania match but like a big one I mean any Wrestlemania match with Triple H is a big one especially for a guy that um, he, he got hurt and he was like kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit there for a lot of years. And, um, now that he's like the guy, like, yeah, like he, I love that he wears the ridiculous outfits. It's, it's incredible. I love it. But, um, it's nice that, like, another guy, Shinsuke Nakamura, he was like the king of the mountain in NXT and he was the guy that everybody wanted to watch for that. And, and he really got lost in the shuffle whenever Vince was there too. Like Vince, look, it,
0: it goes, it goes even down from that because look at, I mean, this might be the best stuff Drew McIntyre's ever done in his career, and he's not even a champ, you know. So right. this might be some of the best stuff he's ever done, if not the best. Um, I love what they're doing with that guy, man. He's he's Batman. They've made that guy Batman, you know, and it's and it's really great. But I mean, look at the praise that we're getting from like you know uh, Ivar, you know, the guy from War Raiders. I yeah. mean, he's getting he got all that praise for for being a, in those singles matches. I mean, they, dude, they were dead in the freak of water, man. They they were doing matches with street prophets and I think it was at WrestleMania where they were throwing bowling balls at each other in, in the street or something like that. Like dude, yeah. like they they you know what Vince Vince saw two guys that he thought were out of shape. He mm-hmm. couldn't do anything. He, he, You know, he just, he turned, he tuned them out, man. He tuned those guys right out, man. But like, thankfully they're getting a little bit of a, a little bit of a push um, right now. And hopefully they'll end up being something because look, they're, are they my favorite tag team in the world in 2023? No, they're not. Were they awesome three years ago? Yeah, they were great three years ago. Right. But I mean, it, it, they, they've got a lot to offer, man. And they look so different than everybody else that it, it's almost like Vince kind of lost the plot on that about, the uniqueness of people right because you i mean we're going to get into i don't even know if i want to say this right now but we're going to get into mystico you know today whenever we get into the into these this uh these next 10 with the top 100 and and how that was a unique guy that came in it was a major star that they took everything from that guy man and the and the guy just went into the into the toilet mentally and it's like like of course he did you know I mean, like, yeah. that's the thing. But, but, like, there's there's so many of those people that have come through the WWE, which is why, you know, guys like the Young Bucks and Omega and stuff like that shied away from going there because they didn't want to get everything taken from them. And they wanted to be unique, and they wanted to do their thing. And and I hats off to them for that, man. Hats off to them for wanting to do their own thing and not go somewhere where they're going to get pigeonholed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and then back to your Street Profits thing, I'm pretty sure they got a new – theme song with bobby lashley so they have yeah. lashley for the last couple of weeks i'm a little behind i haven't got a chance to watch this week's smackdown and i'm really excited for raw tonight i think that there's a pretty good raw match i can't remember what i saw but um yeah i mean like just you're 100 right this is the this is everything that we've wanted to see for a number of years and what it always should have been in terms of wwe and in the main roster like you like the nxt is supposed to be the feeder system And for years, NXT was like the shining star of WWE. And then as soon as they got caught up to the main roster, it was nothing. And now, I mean, now now it's like now these people are getting showcased on the main roster. And then you can go back to NXT where they're still doing that. And it seems like NXT, it's not the level that it was whenever Triple H was running it. But Shawn Michaels is trying to make it just as good.
0: It's a little different. It's a little different. It's, it's, it's good. in it's good in certain ways. It's a, it's definitely different than what it was then because back then it was a lot darker and a lot more serious, you know, and right now it's, it's, it's more, it's a lot more colorful, a little more user-friendly, I think to people who just, who just stumble across it on TV.
2: Right. And, and speaking of color and people stumbling across it, they've beat AEW three of the last four weeks in the ratings. Like NXT was not doing that for, a long time like AW dominated the space, and and yeah, they did go head to head a couple weeks back. And yes, NXT did load the show with a ton of talent, but AW Tony,
0: Tony would have done the same thing, man. If Tony, if Tony <laughs> Khan would have had if Tony Khan had The Undertaker and he had freaking you know, um, Dusty Rhodes or whoever the hell it is, I mean, he would have put all those people on those
2: shows, right and and it didn't it hasn't worked and they they it seems like they can't catch their footing it seems like everything that they do like yeah they're doing this the, the sad part is that the only thing that they've done right over all of these years is that they've booked the the way that they've booked Sting as a legend is the best thing that they've consistently done over time and then they bring out Ric Flair last week and i don't know i don't even know if that even helps it's cool that Rick is on like TBS again after all these years like that's cool. Um I just and and the fact that like Andrade's there but like I don't know, I never see Andrade anymore. At least I never see him on Dynamite. I feel like I never see him on Dynamite. So he's on Collision. Okay. okay, fair enough. I mean, I just I there's there's the things that AEW are doing like they after all of that stuff that happened with uh, punk and just everything like it's just left a sour taste in my mouth and then everything with like tony just bitching all the time about wwe and what they do to him and he's like trying to in a way he's trying to pull the old vince card that vince pulled on bischoff when bischoff was pulling all of these stunts on vince in the er- in the late 90s whenever nitro started is like well they've had all these years head start. They got all these stars. They got all this money and influence and all that. And and I'm just a billionaire son and I'm doing an upstart company. And it's like, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't, I don't know. I, I from where AEW was when we first started like watching and you know, where this podcast started a year ago, like it's, it's really taken a huge hit. And I, and I don't know if it's, I, I 100% want to blame it on Tony. I also want to blame it on the booking. And it's just, they've they've gone away from, I don't know. Tony has said a lot. Tony, these are Tony's words. These aren't mine. But he's he's literally said, I do not care about the weekly shows anymore because you all will buy the pay-per-views and we will always deliver on pay-per-view. Like, I don't, I like to follow the, I like personally for me, I, I love to follow the stories. Like I love to go on Peacock and I love to start a Raw. And I love to watch it till, you know, like the end of the year. I love doing that. I do that all the time. And like Dynamite was like the show I watched every single week. I used to make Allison sit with me while I watch Dynamite every Wednesday night. And I can't tell you the last time I sat down and watched an entire Dynamite from start to finish. I, I literally can't remember it. Like it's been months and it's just it's frustrating. It just feels like they don't. And now I know that like I know that like on the flip side of things that like Mongoose will come in here and tell you that everything is great about AEW. Everything that they do is fantastic. And yeah, they have some hiccups here and there, but pretty much like they have awesome matches. And I'm sure that they do, but like I just can't get into it anymore. I don't want to be an AEW hater, but because I was on the I was on the train from the beginning, but they threw me off the train and I've been on WWE for a while now. And it's and it feels like more and more people are doing that.
0: Uh, my my biggest gripe with AEW, I mean, outside of the fact that I feel like the owner in the CEO or GM or whatever the hell his title is, is a little kid. I mean, outside of that, um, the women's division for me is a big deal. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big women's wrestling fan. I work with I work with student athletes every day. You know that, man. And it's just like women's women's athletics to me is a big deal. It's about access. It's about opportunity. It's about equal opportunity. And they and they should have equal opportunity as, as the WNBA should, as women's soccer, as women's wrestling. I mean, you, you want to, you want to give the next generation of of students and the next generation of, of kids um, people to look up to. Right. And, and it's a, it's a constantly evolving thing where, where you ra- you ramp it up into equality, right. Over the course of time. Right. Because if you, you don't flip a switch and make a make someone just love the WNBA, right? Or love college softball, right? You've got to you've got to kind of you've got to kind of like integrate them slowly over time to get them to understand how important this stuff is, right? And how it is really good. And if you if you're looking at if you're looking at you know the WNBA versus the NBA, right? Of course, your natural instinct is gonna say that the, the NBA is is way better, you know, than the WNBA. But if you look at the WNBA in a vacuum about what it is itself. And again, like going back to the Mystico thing, it, it, what we're going to talk about, like the vacuum, right? CMLL in the vacuum is so awesome and so special to watch, dude. And it's the same thing as it is kind of with women's sports too. Like you watch those stardom shows, and they are freaking lights out, dude. There are there are women on those shows that are just world class wrestlers, men or women, dude. And that's what it is. So when I when I see this this I, and I'm just going to call it what it is man it's been garbage it has been a garbage women's division for a while now in aew and I mean that I don't want to call anybody out just for for it being their own fault because it's not any one person's fault but that match from Dynamite with with Ruby Soho and Sheeta was one of the worst matches I've ever seen on TV it was I mean dude I don't know what the hell is going on with some of these people that they just don't want to work anymore or they just they just don't give a shit or what it is. But you have to give an effort when you're out there and, you know, you have to book effort. You've got to You've got to put people out there that are going to that, that are going to want to be out there, man. And you have to you can't you and I have talked about this a lot over the over the course. time, And I know I've talked to Mo and Goose for 100 years about this. Don't offer it unless you're going to try to be the best at it, right? So don't offer a women's division unless you're going to try to have the best women's division in the world, right? Don't offer a tag team division unless you're going to put a full effort into that tag team division. And I fully believe that, man. And that maybe that's a personal philosophy of mine where I, I think – don't do anything unless you're gonna put effort in, man. And, and I, I really believe that. Like, I'm not you should you should want to be great at the things that you put effort into. And if you're gonna offer two women's belts and you're not gonna to try to bring in people that are the best in the world at what they do, and you're just gonna throw people out there in bullshit matches and not care about it and not care about the booking. And I mean, they're getting criticized for it, man. And it, it's justified. There's shows where they have one women's match or they have no women's matches or they have one women's match on a pay-per-view. Like when you do that, you're you're training your audience to think this is the piss break match where you got to go go get another Mountain Dew or go get a bathroom, go get a hot dog, whatever you want to do during this match cuz it doesn't matter. You've got to showcase it and you've got to try. And that that is where I have such a big problem with AEW because they just throw everything at the wall, dude. Everything just gets thrown at the wall. Sometimes it sticks and sometimes it's really great. The matches are usually really good. Almost every match is really good. It doesn't matter who it is, right? But when there's so much stuff just thrown at the side of the wall, nothing, hardly anything is sticking right now, man. And and they're just, they've just lost their way, is what it feels like. And it, it just feels like things are not going really anywhere. And I can't, I have I, I struggle to follow this, even though I watch their shows every week. I watch the pay-per-views. I I just I I even I struggle to follow this stuff, man. And, and I, I don't know, I don't know what it is other than them just getting some kind of a some kind of a reboot. And I thought they did that. I thought they already did that, you know, with, with the with a reboot a couple a couple of pay-per-views ago where they flipped a couple belts and it was like, okay, here we go. We're gonna start over and do and do different things. But dude, we're we're this is this is the worst it's been for sure in the in the 44 or 5 years that they've been around this has been the, this is the worst
2: and it feels like they have they have showcased the women and it's just the fact that when they do showcase the women it ends up being an absolute train wreck like i know that they put on some of those matches like early in the early years and like that one with Nyla Rose and Statlander at that revolution that was awful and it feels like they just like Statlander isn't great dude she's she's pretty good She's yeah.
0: really strong. She's got a great look. People like her, but she's not great. She's she's just okay. And, and that's that. Maybe that's part of it too. Is like people are getting exposed a little bit because here here's the biggest difference between when you watch NXT's women's division, who are all green as hell. We all know that mm-hmm. almost all those girls are very green, right? The the speed of those women versus the AEW women's division, dude. It's like night and day. It's it is so much closer to stardom than what it is closer to closer to anything else like that. The NXT women's division when they are in the ring, there's movement and they're they're going fast and they're doing moves and it's exciting. That's what people want to see nowadays. Now I heard I heard Kevin Nash um, say something a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, about him talking to Sean about him talking to Michaels and 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 Nash even said "Is like, dude see because Nash doesn't he doesn't watch it every week. I'm sure he doesn't watch it. But you know, he said, he said, hey man, that people are going way too fast. And they got to slow it down in the rank. And Michaels told him, he's like, dude, if they go in there right now and try to do a test of strength, everybody in that building is going to stand up and walk out. Because that, that's what we're, that's what we're accustomed to, right? We're, yeah. we're kind of, and look, that not that the young buck style? <laughs> that's what they got, like young bucks are the ones that did that. Like they're the ones that go hundred miles an hour every match and yeah. people were so pissed off at them for that. Well, now those are the guys that, that have kind of influenced this whole women's division in, in another company, right? It's kind of what it is. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, I think uh, a really important thing to say is that just like the, the difference in just, in just speed. And it's not even, it's not even match quality because, the wrestling in the AEW women's division at the top is obviously better than it is at the top of the NXT women's division, right? The, the technical wrestling is better, but when you're talking about exciting matches and seeing people flying around and doing stuff and getting excited about getting excited about characters, excited about, you know, just, just technique and different styles and things like that. I mean, dude, it's, it's not even close between the two right now.
2: Yeah. That's and that's funny that you say that about like, it, it what what bothers me is that like a lot of those people that were in wwe and working with the women and that women's division they're they're at they're at AEW, and i don't understand where where's the disconnect there is it just because wwe got rid of everybody that didn't matter and like did they make the right calls and like because you feel like it would translate over in that you know AEW would want to do the same things that nxt is doing and they just they just don't and it's super frustrating
0: well look man the, the two women that were in that um that women's breakout tournament the, you know, the, 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 the finalists were people that were very predictable it was Kalani Jordan. Um, and in um, Lola vice. So Kalani Jordan was doing that program with Dana Brooke, where they were going to split them up and she was going to get the big win over Dana Brooke. Right. Well, then Dana got released. Right. So, but Kalani Jordan has only been wrestling for probably a year. I don't know. I don't know how long Lola, Lola vice has been there um, in, in the performance center, but she's an MMA. She was an, came from MMA and I'm telling you right now, man, the two of them right now, being green are are better than everybody in AEW. All the women, minus the very top. what are talking about like Britt Baker, Tony Storm. Um, maybe Hater is probably in that in that group too. But those two women from NXT who are green are. I'm telling you, man. I, maybe this will change in a couple of weeks when I see more people's matches and they and they step up. But I would take Kalani Jordan and I would take Lola Vice right now over everybody else that's in that division, man. Other other than Britt Baker and, and Hayter and probably uh probably Tony Storm. And that and that's that is very telling. That is very telling. When you when you got people that don't have that many matches under their belt and they're in there and they're and they're that good and that quick already. Um, dude, I mean, come on. Look at Tiffany Stratton. I mean, she's only been there for how long? She had two incredible matches with Becky Lynch. I mean, look, Becky's going to make everybody look good. We all know that. But you know, I mean, the fact that she's made a star out of Tiffany Stratton. If mm-hmm. Tiffany Stratton showed up right now on the main roster, she'd be one of the biggest women in the, in the company. You okay. know, and that's and that, that's and that's the truth. You know, but you got you're playing you're playing silly games. Over there with Julia Hart, Uh, bless her heart, no pun intended. You know, I mean, she's gotten way better, she has gotten way better, yeah. But Julia Hart in NXT, she's not going to make it, she's not going to cut it. I love Willow Nightingale. There's all there would always be a place for Willow Nightingale anywhere where I'd ever book ever, forever. There'd always be a place for her, but you're, you're playing silly games with Sky Blue, it's like, dude. Come on, man. There, there's people out there that you've got to go get. You, you've got to go find people and bring in women that that, that want to be showcased. Because right now they're just not doing it.
2: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's really sad that this is kind of like the the it's like the rules have completely flipped on us. Um, but yeah, so.
0: The idea behind this was to do um, a, a kind of a Podsky-wide event, and try to get as many people involved in this that have been on the show as possible. And since all of us have some different perspectives on things and have different um, a different outlook on on different things and different generations and international talent and whatnot, um, I really wanted to pull this together and have a top 100. But there were some there were some uh, requirements around that, so we started the top 100. With Hogan beating the Iron Sheik in 1984, in January of 1984, and we use that as the starting point because everything after that is different than everything before it. That was the beginning of the the begin the very beginning of sports entertainment when when Vincent Vincent Kennedy McMahon got his guy Hulk Hogan, put the belt on Hulk Hogan. It it started to transcend into WrestleMania one a year later, two years later, year and a half, whatever. Um, to uh, rock and wrestling is what it ended up becoming, right? Where it became a cultural sports entertainment phenomenon that took off from there. And that, that was a good benchmark, I thought, to use because everything that came before that was very different, very territory-based. Uh, Vincent J. McMahon, you know, when he when he had everything, it was even the WWF was a regional territory. Um and he probably would not have been super happy with what his uh, his son was planning on doing with sports entertainment. So that's a really good place to start I thought. Now, uh what we also did not want to do um is include people in this top 100 that had the bulk of their career, the prime of their career prior to Hogan beating the Iron Sheik. So There's a lot of people that we're going to give some acknowledgements to here um, that probably should not be included in this list because here's a perfect example to grade Jerry Lawler based on his WWF run post 84 is probably not very, um, not very fair to him right To, to grade Harley race on being the king and not the stuff he did before 84 is not very fair to him. So we decided to to disclude those people from this list and start with everything right when Hogan won the belt in 84. Uh, We tried to also keep uh, tag team guys off of this list. So if it was somebody who the the bulk of their career was involved in tag teams, we tried not to include them. We tried to keep this just as singles. And we also didn't include women in this list either. Um, And we're going to do a women's list in the future um at some point and probably tag teams too at some point so we wanted to keep this just for men's singles with what we were doing so we had four people come together to give a list of a top 100 on their own and we gave everybody the individual freedom to come to come up with their own criteria of how they came to their list so it was myself it was baker uh jc and Mongoose all came up with their own criteria that they're going to talk about how they came to the, the conclusion of the top 100 for themselves. So then once we had those top 100s from all four of us, we came together with a point system and we gave everybody uh, a number based on where they were in each individual list. So as an example, and this is just a number in, number off the top of my head, if um, if uh, you know Shannon Moore okay, was, was number number one on somebody's list, they would get a hundred points, okay. And if uh, if uh, uh, Jim the Anvil Nighthart was number fifty on somebody's list, they would get fifty points for that, right? And if in the the you know the number the number uh, one hundred person would get one point, right? So if that was if that was Evan Courageous, right, <laughs> at, the, at the bottom of the list, he's going to get one point from that. So where those people were at in everybody's one through one hundred, all four of us had a one through one hundred we gave everybody points based on where they were in those four lists, okay? The most amount of points a person could possibly get would then be 400 points. So we took the top 100 points points winners throughout the uh, course of those four lists to create our combined list of 100.
2: So how I came up with my list, I took... A list of 500 wrestlers and I kind of that was my baseline so that I kind of knew kind of where to start and if I that way I could kind of dwindle down from there and I kind of started I, I knew I had a top 20 that I wanted for sure and that top 20 drastically changed after I got my list of 100 and I had to take a lot in and a lot out but I, I like to th- the way I kind of graded people out was um, kind of where they were in the business, what they um, match quality, at least from what, uh, you know, I can remember watching a few matches and just kind of overall what they meant to the business and whether or not they should actually be on the list or not. Like when I think of somebody who is a top 100 wrestler, like do they actually deserve to be on that list? And that is based off of, uh, you know, accomplishments that they had, Um, wrestling style character work. I really kind of based a lot of mine off character work because I felt like that was a really big part of it outside of in-ring work. And that's how I came up with my list.
3: So for my 100, the measuring stick that I used first was the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. And the reason for for that is that I believe that it is possibly the truest Hall of Fame that we have in sport. Uh, The NFL and the NBA Hall of Fames have become the Hall of Very Good. And the Baseball Hall of Fame has pretentious writers that either won't vote in somebody that should unanimously unanimously be voted in simply because they don't want him unanimously voted in. Uh, They will vote in people that have been involved in the steroid era without voting for other people that are significantly better players with or without drug suspicions. Um, And so because of that, I do feel that the Observer Hall of Fame made up of um, writers, made up of journalists, historians, um, current and former wrestlers. uh, And it's also regional, too. uh, So you have what is, to me, the truest measuring stick of actual greatness in your sport. It's not easy to get to. uh, If you look at the list of who is in the Observer Hall of Fame, it is literally a who's who. And not in the way that, you know, we could say that, yeah, Michael Jordan's a Hall of Famer. um, But, you know, I'm sure that uh, Antoine Walker will be someday too, you know, and that's not happening in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Edge isn't in there. Uh, CM Punk isn't in there, at least not yet. Um, Same for Edge. Randy Orton's not in there. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts isn't in there. You know, there's a lot of people that you can look, Jim Helwig isn't in there. There's a lot of people you can look up and down and say, oh, these are the greatest of all time and they didn't cut the mustard. And so you were not allowed to be ranked ahead of anybody in the Observer Hall of Fame in my top 40 uh, or top uh, 45-ish, I guess I should say, unless you were Will Ospreay or Roman Reigns, which will be first ballot Hall Hall of Famers themselves. Um, So that was where I started. So my first half of my list is all strictly Observer Hall of Fame guys. And then from there, uh, what I did was I basically looked at people that I thought moved the needle. I thought that, um, you know, whenever you'd said about character development, whenever you'd said about uh, ring work, of course, all those things count. But I also uh, wanted to take a look and try to objectively say uh, like so if I have a, a new guy, like a John Moxley, right? Um, where does he compare to a Lex Luger? And the answer is way above. And the reason for that is that John Moxley, while he doesn't have the look that Luger did, um He has everything else. He has the same, if not more, charisma. Um, His promos to me are better. He's better in the ring. Um, He's had a string of championships across multiple promotions. uh, And he's a guy that has high match quality. And so just using that little comparison right there, Um, That was sort of how I put everything together. Now, do I always have new guys ahead of old guys? Absolutely not. I have soft spot in my heart uh, that I had to try to back off whenever, um, you know, ranking all these people. Uh, But, you know, bringing objectivity into it was the most challenging thing because, you know, there are people that we all have our favorites and we all have our not favorites. And so it's really tough to say guy that I never liked and not because he's a heel, but like he didn't do it for me is better than guy that I did. Um but hey man this is what making lists are all about. So this was a lot of fun and that was how I put mine together.
0: So when I did my top 100, I broke everything out by um by six categories and I ranked everybody 1 through 10 in each of the six categories. And one thing that really helped me when I was going through and putting the the, the 1 through 10 grades in was I came up with a baseline um where everybody was so I found somebody who was kind of you know between one and ten if they were a five or a six I would kind of use them as a baseline uh to see who was higher than them or who was lower than them based on the six categories so the six categories I had the first one I used was placement and that was kind of where they were actually featured within the, within the, um, within the cards, right. Or over the course of time, um, in ring, obviously was one of them. That's kind of actual talent, whether or not they look like they know what they're doing, um, accomplishments, what they've done, of course, and that can be anything from observer awards to, um, to championships and multiple promotions and whatnot over the course of their whole career. Um, the next one I had was legacy. And that was kind of what they meant to the industry, who they kind of inspired kind of what their, um, what their reputation was uh, the next one was a length and consistency and that was just kind of like a like a longevity thing um to, to see kind of where were they over the course of time um after the um the january of 84 timeline if, if they were kind of yeah. you know still still a high placement at that point and then the, the last one i had was promotional importance um, a little bit different than placement uh, promotional importance is something you know to the effect of how how important are they to the promotion right are they somebody who's who's like the face of the promotion or are they somebody who is like a workhorse in the promotion or are they someone who just gets beat all the time and doesn't really matter right so those were the six categories that I had, and I gave everybody a ranking between between one and ten um, most of pe most of the people were a five and above um because I wanted to keep it I wanted to keep it pretty um you know Pretty realistic, anybody below five really wouldn 't even be on the list right but uh, then I graded everybody uh, all the numbers up across the six categories into an overall score and then filtered that and then that gave me my um my top 100 from there um, but then I had ties obviously I had people who had tied scores and I had to go back in and kind of figure out what I wanted to use as a tiebreaker and a lot of times I would just use accomplishments for that again I'd look at their accomplishments versus each other so if somebody if two people had like a 68 I would go in and look at both those people's accomplishments and I would kind of I would kind of just figure out from there um, who was going to be on top and who was going to be on the bottom of, of that so that's how I came how I came to my top 100 for myself all
1: right so. For my list, you took a very analytical approach, uh, having listened to you talk about how you did yours.
3: Mine was a little
1: bit more organic. You being a little bit longer tenured of a fan than I am, um, I needed some help going through some names. So I looked up some general list of, you know, people they considered the top one hundred of all time. You know, eighty four. You know, prior to eighty four, after eighty four. So there was some differences there. And then I tried to filter it all through my lens and into a tiering system. So I had like your S tier, your A tier, your B tier, your C and D. Um, so, and then I tried to establish like who I thought was the best of each tier and then work around that. And my, the criteria that I used for that, was popularity, so like their overall overness or my perception of that. Um if it was something I wasn't as familiar with. Um the number, length, and general importance of their title range. Um now that could be upper card, mid card, you know, that sort of thing. Uh and some of them don't you know, they might not have had any meaningful kind of title, but that plays into it. Uh longevity was a big one for me. Um, so how long have they been doing it? Like, it, you know, in Austin was on top at a very hot time, but it wasn't a long run. Um, and then general contributions I also thought were important. So I broke that down sort of by innovations they brought to wrestling. Um, an example of this would be like the ultimate deletion. So that sort of thing that was cinematic universe, those sort of things would be a little bit different. Uh, one thing I thought was very important was, especially for the top end guys that put this in as a way to differentiate a little bit who they made, um, a- as far as, you know, the next star after them. Um, and then just, you know, some general kind of stuff, like if they did, you know, if they headlined some kind of really crazy special show or, um, anything like that, if they were a booker at some point, those I took into consideration well so as i went through there um i just tried to place similar talents in similar tiers or people i thought were similar talents in similar tiers um and i tried to expand my list like i had a list um but it felt skewed towards north american and like attitude era ruthless aggression and a little bit of today i tried to back away from stars of today as much um so, I went and tried to expand my reach a little bit and understand a little bit more of like Japanese stars of like the early, mid, and late 90s. Uh, and so, in the early 2000s, some of those sort of things where I'm not as knowledgeable and intelligible. Um, so, I tried a little bit, it's going kind to of skew towards what I know, and that is what it is. That's why these lists work, different perspectives. Um, but that was sort of how I ended up trying to my sense and then the tiering system doing a little bit of research and trying to filter it all through those criteria.
2: We got the list today. We got the, the next round of 10. Uh, this is going to be 80 through 71. And so if you're on YouTube right now, you can check out on the screen uh, who we've already done so far. It's 100 through 81. We've we can run over them real quick. We got Slaughter at 100, Masahiro Chono at 99, Rick Martell at 88, Kevin Sullivan at 97, Shane Douglas, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, Matt Hardy, Ron Simmons, Kofi Kingston at L.A. Park were your first 10. And that was two episodes ago. So if you haven't watched that and you want to hear what we have to say about them and why they made the list, you can go check that out uh, on the in the archives. And then for what we did the previous episode of the PodSky 100... That was 90 through 81. And number 90 was uh, Shinya Hashimoto. 89 was Davey Boy Smith. 88, Minoru Suzuki. 87 was Taz. 86, Drew McIntyre. 85, Kento Kobashi. 84, Pero Aguayo. 83, Ricky Choshu. 82, Jay White. And 81, JBL. So, you want to do a
0: Potski special here right now, real quick? <laughs> yeah. I just the dogs just went crazy because of the the mailman came. Yeah, they got a little package here. So Ooh. let's do a little unboxing here. Let's see what let's see what we got here, Baker. let's See what we got. So we We're got. gonna open this up. Oh boy, here we go. Live live on the
2: Podsky. Here we go. Right
0: ah. here. Look at this.
2: Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's incredible.
0: Look at how well this came out. So we got an Ultimo Dragon mask that I ordered because I found a I found a, a styrofoam mannequin head at Hobby Lobby a couple of weeks ago that was four dollars, and I was like, "Well, shit, four dollars! I'll just buy an Ultimo Dragon mask." And put it under there. So I got the Ultimo. I'm gonna put this on right now, dude. So we got the light blue with the gold and the red. <laughs> That came out pretty good. That came out actually really. Good. So I got it from a guy in Mexico that makes them. He makes them for wrestlers. So it was only um, it was on it was on sale on eBay. I only paid like, uh, I think I only paid like forty five bucks for it, something like that. So nice. it came
2: out. Well, if you're on the YouTube, you're gonna see this mask.
0: Let's see here if I can get it on. A little tight. It might be. This might be a children's. It Might be for children. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude. How awesome is this? I know it clips somehow. Here's the clip. I do not know. It. I can't even get a clip. My face is too fat. I can't even get a clip.
1: Well, thank I'm, like you. Fat. I'm like Fatimo Dragon.
2: Thank you, Oldhamo Dragon, for joining us on the Podski today.
1: <laughs> that mask is awesome.
0: <laughs> you know, Oldhamo Dragon mask with the All the Red Moves poster. Step <laughs> Stephen George with in the back. just Just like they do in Dragon Gate, dude. Just like they have in Dragon Gate.
2: Oh my, that's fantastic.
0: You I'll tell you what, dude. You wanna I, I can't wait. Um, you're gonna put this on YouTube? Yep. Okay, hold on. Let, let, keep it rolling. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna give you a little sneak peek of what I've been working on last night. <laughs> Here you wanna I see know. you wanna see part of the uh part of the Halloween, the Halloween gimmick that's gonna be worn tomorrow night? Sure. All right, let me show you this.
2: That mask is fantastic.
1: Dude, check it out.
2: Is that the Bam Bam suit? It's the shirt. Oh, the Bam Bam shirt.
0: I got. I'm still working on the pants. They're still drying. But here's the shirt. That's awesome. So I'll be. I'll be getting pictures of that tomorrow night.
2: Justin Andretti will be live at a Living Color in the streets of Hollywood. That's right. The Justice Bam Bam. Justice Bam Bam. With the with the with the beard <laughs> like a mask, a
0: beard that's a beard that's <laughs> with an Ultimo dragon mask, you know, in a in a in a beard with a washable marker, a brown beard with a washable
2: <laughs> a, marker. I was hoping you'd go as Ultimo Bigelow.
0: I mean, I might now. Why the hell not? Right? Why not? They both moved about the same. So <laughs> <laughs> they both do cartwheels. I so might as well do the damn thing. All right, I'm gonna take this off. It's, it's already hot with this yeah, mask yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. All right, holy shit! That's tight. That's so badass. I think it's sick. Okay, where are we at? <laughs> what are we doing? We're, we're still, we're, are we
2: still doing the show? Yeah, We're still doing the show. We're at uh, coming in with our first entrant of the show, coming in at number eighty with eighty votes. He was on. Uh, he was on mongoose's list at ninety, and he was on Justin Andretti's list at thirty-three and that is Hiroshi Tenzon. So, what do you got for uh, Tenzon?
0: Man, I love this guy. So, you know, when New Japan's a little different. So, when you when you watch um New Japan shows right now, you're going to get um a lot of like um six-man tags, eight-man tags, things like that, right? And there's always people thrown in there that, that kind of whip your ass a little bit, right? So you like, you probably get like uh some of the older guys are in there. They're like, Holy shit, this guy, man. Um, But Tenzan is a guy that is always in those matches. Um, He's got an unbelievable look, you know, with the, with the, the dull kind of the dull kind of Mohawk thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, But you know, you watch that guy now and he's an old man, right. He's still, he's still in there doing this thing and he's entertaining, but he's an old man. But I think people sometimes forget um, that they weren't always old men. Right. (laughs) At one point they were like, you know, Really good and on top of the world. <laughs> and you know, Tenzon is one of those guys where he's still in there doing his thing, but he's you know, I don't know why the hell the guy's still wrestling nowadays. But you know, when we're talking about like the um the early 2000s mid 2000s um, this is a guy that just was an ass kicker, man. I mean, he, he kind of if you want to compare him to somebody, I guess you can kind of compare him a little bit to uh Kind of being like the first great O'Con, you know, where where he's got the the jump chops and stuff like that that look really great. Um, just a great offense, man. A great offense from that guy. Um, you know, I, I think people kind of kind of don't realize the 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 importance that he had, you know, over the um, over the the course of time. Yeah, um, I th- also you know the thing about Tenzan. Um, the the american audience may kind of remember the, him from the fact that he wrestled he wrestled savage at starcade 95 mm-hmm. i mean people people don't really remember that but he had a he had a really brief uh really brief wcw run when they were bringing people in um and then he was uh, another member of uh, nwo japan um you know and he look he did a couple matches you know in, in wcw but the the bulk of his the bulk of his really good stuff i think was probably prior to that um in new japan um but i mean look man just a a guy that has a great look um you know an awesome an awesome offensive set you know and and look if you want to if you want to see something good from him um, the Yuji Nagata match um on new Japan world from um from January 4th 2001 I watched that last night which is really good um but there's a match so he had two matches with Savage so he had the uh the Starcade match with Savage in ni- 1995 um go check that out if you want but then he had another um like a like a revenge match with Savage in New Japan and I believe that's the one that's on YouTube yeah. um so if you look if you wanna again man like we're we're just trying to give people, you know, a little bit of familiarity when we're giving them names that they might not be familiar with, right? So if you want to get if you want to get kind of introduced to what Tenzan is like in a ring, um, go check out the Randy Savage matches, man. There's the Starcade '95 and the in the one from the New Japan Show. I, I believe that match is on YouTube. So if you want to go check that out, go ahead and uh, go ahead and check it out. But it, I, I don't think you'll be. Disappointed, you're going to see a guy in his prime that you see all the time right now as an old man. And that's a it's it's you'll get a lot more appreciation, um, whenever you see this guy working in his prime for sure.
2: Yeah. And some other notable, some other notable notes on Tenzan is that he was, uh, the IWGP heavyweight champion four times. He was, he was the tag team champion 12 times. Uh, he won three G1s. He, has a lot of it i mean i didn't even realize he had I mean, he title.
0: won he won three <laughs> g1s in four years so that's that's a big deal when you think about that that would be like somebody winning the royal rumble three out of three out of four years
2: right that's crazy uh he also uh for observer awards he was tag team of the year in 2001 with kojima uh and he was a part since he was a part of nwo he was a part of the best gimmick and feud of the year for nwo yeah he
0: kind of got he kind of got you know London. tag along with that with those two awards when we're talking about like uh the Tokyo awards are are big right with the, the mm-hmm. fighting spirit award 2004 is a big deal that was right whenever he won the uh he won the G1 that year you know on top of the world and he, he had unbelievable matches man I mean there was there's an, a great match with um Tanahashi from that year I think I think it's from, from 2004 yeah there's a really good Tanahashi match with him um and there's there's you know great tag team look I, I know we're trying to stay away from the tag team stuff but it's worth mentioning when a guy's 12 time champ you know what I mean and he's and he's had the belt with with 25 different people right so I mean it's it's worth just saying that but I mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really good stuff here to go back and check out with this guy
2: absolutely All right, so we got uh, coming in at number 79 with 81 votes. We got uh, Kinsuke Sasaki, and uh, he was on Andretti's list at number 36, and he was also on JC's list at 85. So uh, we'll have both of you guys uh, talk about that.
0: I look, I I can't say enough good stuff about this guy either, man. I mean, he just a uh, when you when you think of a professional wrestler in your head, okay, wh- what does a pro wrestler look like? You're gonna probably see Kobashi and you're probably gonna see um, Suzaki. That's what it is, dude. If you if you just imagine in your head what does a pro wrestler look like, those are probably the two people whose body type you're gonna see in your head. Now, look, again, I know we're not really trying to talk about you know accomplishments with tag team stuff, but it's worth mentioning whenever it's it's really important to a guy's career, right? Um, you know, the American audience might know him um from teaming with Hase, you know, when he took on the Steiners in the early 90s. I mean, those are incredible tag team matches to go check out if you, if you want to get, you know, get into some tag team stuff, but um, you know, he, he was the power warrior. A lot of people remember him as the power warrior too, when he was teaming up with, uh, with road warrior Hawk. And sometimes even with animal too, when they had, they would do like trios matches. But I mean, that's a great character, man. He's just, he fits right in with the road warriors with the, with the, you know, the shoulder pads and everything. It's really cool to see that. Um, So he was involved too. For a little bit in MMA. I believe he was two and zero in MMA, if if I if if I'm remember correctly from reading about that stuff. But one of the things I thought was really cool about um about uh Sasaki was the fact that he trained um in the heart dungeon. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that he had been in stamp he was in Stampede for a little bit when he went on excursion um and got to work in the in the dungeon with uh with Stu and, and whoever else at that point in time. That's that's pretty cool to see that. You know, when you see a guy that um, left Japan to go on excursion he ends up in the dungeon in freaking you know Calgary it's pretty awesome to see that yeah, um actually he won you don't, I don't, I don't, was, I don't was, know why you don't really hear his name more um whenever you, you hear about like the the most important people in in new J- you know in, in Japanese wrestling history I mean I I think it's probably because Sasaki kind of peaked right around the time when New Japan wasn't doing great, um, in my opinion. So it could be because of that. But um, the guy had a 30 year career, just a, a powerful ass kicker. You know, I mean, dude, it, that match with Kobashi. I mean, I, I know I said it last time when we went over, you know, Kobashi was in the top 100 last time. But that that match with Destiny 2005 and in, in Pro Wrestling, no, it's on YouTube. It's free. It's it's maybe my favorite match I've ever seen in my life. Um, I I really really gotta just encourage people to go and check that out. And and the other thing about about Sasaki too um, that we have to mention. You know, he's he's the first of five people to ever hold um, all three major heavyweight titles. Right, he held the the IWGP title, the Triple Crown heavyweight championship, and then in the pro wrestling Noah championship. You know, so I mean that's a that's a pretty impressive thing. The other people were, you know, Muto was one of those. Um, Kojima, who we've mentioned, you know, here, uh, Yoshihiro Takayama is, is the other guy in Nagata, you know, we're, I'm sure we'll get to Nagata here at some point, but I mean, those are, those are three or, uh, you know, four other people, um, pretty good company to be in, right. If, you, right. if you've won all three of those major titles in Japan, man, I mean, again, like you, w- when you picture a pro wrestler in your head, what does a professional wrestler look like? It's probably going to be a, a a beefy guy that's strong as shit that looks a, a hell of a lot like like uh, Sasaki. <laughs> so that uh, that is that is a, an important thing. This guy had a great career. I mean, he's he's a lot of fun to watch.
2: Yeah, and so what you had mentioned about him and his uh, his accomplishments, he was two and zero in MMA. He won both of them by submission. And- nice. Uh, The first one was 36 seconds, and the second one was two minutes and 35 seconds, both in the first round. Nice. So clearly, Stu got in there. Yeah, yeah,
3: great. Stu taught him
2: everything. I
0: mean, that's, (laughs) you you gotta gotta get in there and stretch him. Yeah, yeah, stretch him.
2: Jeez. So, yeah, his, I mean, he won the IWGP championship five times. He was tag team champion seven times, two, won two G1s, uh, 97 in 2000. Uh, he was we – we're not going to mention the PWI. We already talked about how much of a gimmick that is and how crappy that whole thing is. Uh, but he had Match of the Year in the Observer Awards in 1991, and uh, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2013. So pretty accomplished guy. I mean, literally, you if you look at all of his accomplishments, like he – I mean, he's he went he, he wrestled everywhere, like especially whenever he was on excursion. Like he went everywhere. Like it's yeah, like, yeah.
0: So uh, I think also worth mentioning the, the Tokyo Sports Awards are probably worth mentioning for some of these guys. So Lifetime Achievement Award from them, 2014, mm-hmm. um, two time Match of the Year. He had the 2000 Match of the Year with uh, Toshiaki Kawada, and then in 2005 with Kobashi, um, which is you know you, you gotta you gotta see it. Um, Wrestler of the Year, 2004. Probably worth noting here too, um, the fact that he was the uh, U.S. heavyweight champion in WCW, and I don't know what happened, but he lost that belt to the One Man Gang, and it uh, was—he's one of my favorites. But I don't know, um, dude. I watched. I I found that match uh, probably a year ago and it's not very long. And it it's just like, I don't know what happened. I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what this what the scenario was behind that, where, where he lost that, lost that belt to the gang, you know, really quickly in a match. It's very strange, but look, it is what it is, you know, but it, it, he still, he still won the belt. You know, he still was the U S heavyweight champion. Um, if an American audience is, is interested in checking that out, you know, with the, um, with the uh, WCW stuff. But other than that, man, you know, just a, A hell of a, a hell of a worker, man. And a a, a super strong, great, great to see that guy in the ring. I mean, he, he performed with a lot of really great people over the course of time and he's won a lot of stuff. And it's definitely, definitely a guy, you know, I know we're talking about a lot of, a lot of Japanese guys, a lot of international talent. Um, We're trying to, you know, give them a shine here too, when we're doing this 100, but, but we're giving you people that we think you need to investigate. And people that you should investigate. If you're a if you're a wrestling fan, you should know who these people are, and you should go out of your way to check them out because they were a big deal in history. And you want to go and you want to be a be a student of history, be a student of this industry because it is really fun to to investigate these guys.
4: Yeah,
2: agreed. Uh...
4: Sasuke is one of those guys who I didn't know a ton about, um, but in trying to ex- expand my horizons, I learned a bit about him and why he's you know deserves to be on this list. Um, I really looked at it, and I saw that he's in that class of the heralded Japanese wrestlers of his era, Um, worked at all the major promotions in Japan at the time, -time, five-time IWGP heavyweight champion, seven-time tag champion, uh, held all of the major heavyweight titles. Um, Over there, um, he was even a WCW US champ. There was a crossover kind of show. Um Observer Hall of Famer had a great um match of the year, I think 1990 or 1991. Um but he's just one of those guys, just one of the top guys in Japan of that era.
2: Moving on to uh number 78 with 82 points. He was on two of our lists. He was on my list at 49 and he was on JC's list at 71 and that is Sean Waltman. So, personally, I my introduction to Waltman was whenever he was uh, X-Pac, whenever he came back and was part of DX, and I think that we can all agree that while we're not talking about tag teams and factions and all that, he was in the two biggest factions in the Attitude Era. He was a part of NWO and D-Generation X, and his movement from wcw to back to wwe him coming back as a being like on the raw after wrestlemania and him being showcased right after one of the biggest well the biggest wrestlemania wrestlemania 14 is one of the best if you go want to go back and watch that it's one of the best WrestleManias you'll ever see and for him to be showcased by triple h bringing him out uh that was a really big moment and that's not the biggest like i don't think that that's his biggest moment for him, career-wise in WWE, I feel like you know whenever he came in as the one-two-three kid on those initial Rawls against Razor Ramon and doing all that, like that's like really good stuff. Like Razor Ramon made him that night, and you know he kind of went on. He's he's I I always I think that you know he has a lot of innovative stuff like the Bronco Buster is a really cool move. I thought that he did a lot of good stuff for that uh, cruiserweight lightweight division. Um, I just think that you know he he really needed to be. Um, be mentioned here. You know, he has all kinds of um, matches that, you know, you you probably should check out too. Um, and, and, you know, he did a lot of um, he's been, he's literally worked everywhere. So outside of the stuff that he's done in WWE, he kind of had a career resurgence in the uh, like mid, like around like the 2013, 14 era, he started making a comeback on all of these independents. And uh, he's been like literally working. He got into incredible shape and you know he's made a couple appearances for these some of these shows i think he was in a couple ro- royal rumbles uh, over the last couple of years as well not not like super recently but um you know he went into the hall of fame with uh DX and um and that was in 2019 for wrestlemania 35 i believe um i mean he just you, you think about the attitude era and one of the first faces you think that like if you were to faces and people that you think about when you think about raw in the attitude era you think about dx and you instantly think about sean waltman or X Pac. like he he's, he's instantly one of the most recognizable faces that you think about so uh that's why he was so high on my list and uh but yeah i just think he was great
0: I, I don't know why he didn't he didn't make mine. He was, I think he was around like 105 whenever I finally broke down my my whole he just he just didn't get into the top 100. But um so my first introduction to one, two, three kid, I mean you're not you're probably not even gonna believe this, but um before before school, um when I was in high school, especially when I was like a freshman, um maybe even eighth grade, uh eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, um, I used to watch USWA wrestling in the mornings before school, and they would run reruns. Uh, I don't know what the hell channel it was on, man, but they, I would catch, I would wake up real quick and shower um, run downstairs. And while I was eating or waiting for the bus or, you know, waiting to leave for high school um, I would catch maybe an episode or maybe even two episodes of USWA. And I, dude, I loved USWA at the time. And that and Waltman was in there, dude, he was the lightning kid in USWA. And I, I swear to you, this is the truth. I saw that guy wrestle one time on USWA and I was like, Holy cow, this guy! Right, super fast in the ring. You know, everything looked just unbelievable for him. He was he was moving at a pace at that point that just nobody was moving at in the United States, right? In North America, maybe, I mean, probably Mexico, but not not uh, not the U.S. But I mean, just unbelievable. And then then when he showed up. Um, in WWF, you know, as a one, two, three kid, I was like, Oh my God, I know that guy. Like I, I saw that guy wrestle in, in USWA, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, but you know, for he, I, I really liked him as the one, two, three kid. Um, I think part of that, you know, part of the, the lore of him too um, is the is the Hasbro figure that is unattainable, right? I mean, so it, that's the only one I don't have. It's the only Hasbro I don't have is a one, two, three, kid. And I'm never gonna I'm never gonna drop a thousand dollars on that figure. It's just never gonna happen. But and I'm okay with that. I'm, I've made my peace with it over, over the course of time. But uh, I mean, you know, with all the stuff right now with three D printers, maybe somebody will make a make a fake one. and I can just get it and just have it, right? But um, it, you know, it, he he was a guy that that just an unbelievable cruiserweight, super fast people for whatever reason, like right there in the, in like the, the early 2000s hated that guy, man. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure
2: what, what do you remember? Why? Like, what, why did everybody just turn on that guy so hard? He had uh so, I mean, Waltman did have some demons and I, I mean, I th- this sounds terrible. Cause we're, this is like supposed to be like a career spotlight and what we're supposed to talk about, but he would, I, know that they talked about it on Bruce a lot where he was a classic bag shitter where he would shit in people's bags. And I think that's that's probably not a good thing. Yeah. And I know, I know that like they they did a whole show. Like if you want to hear more about Waltman, like I'm pretty sure that uh, Bruce on something to wrestle with Conrad, I know that, you know, shout out to them. I know that some people don't always like Conrad, but they did a whole career retrospective on Waltman. Uh, That was a pretty good show from what I remember. And they talked about like how he was kind of a shithead backstage.
0: Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of people were, you know, but look, at, I mean, you can't you can't deny the guy's the guy's accomplishments and in, in his ability. I mean, that um the match with Hart that was on Raw that I think I think I wrote it down. What when was that? Um, I think I know which one you're talking about. July 11th, 1994 on Raw. Dude, I mean, top 10. Top ten for me, no question about it. I mean, just just a, what a match that might be. That maybe maybe the best maybe the best match in Raw history, man. I don't know. It definitely it's definitely up there. That's for sure. That match is unbelievable. So if you're if you're looking for a match to check out from him in the one two three kid days, man, go watch that. Go watch that Bret Hart match from from July eleventh ninety four on Raw, man. You're you're definitely not going to be disappointed when you watch that thing. Agreed. So what do we what do we got here for accomplishments for? uh X-Pod.
2: Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, we got he was uh, Observer stuff wise. He's lumped in with the with the NWO stuff. Um, but for WWE, he was European champion two times. Uh, he was the two time and the final uh, light heavyweight champion. Uh, he's a cruiserweight champion, four time tag team champion. Uh, really funny that he was. I feel like I mentioned this whenever I was in a show with JC, whenever he was in a tag team with Marty Jannetty. And they had that one match. I can't remember who they had it against on Raw. I was hooked. They had me hook, line, and sinker because I redid that new gen like watch through uh, at the beginning of the year whenever I got some of that new those new gen figures with Macho, and then I ended up getting the remake of that uh, one two three kid from that Raw uh, that Raw thirty set that was a Target exclusive. Uh, I loved that tag team for some reason. Like they were awesome. Uh, he's a he won bi- uh, biggest heart uh, Slammy Award in nineteen ninety four uh he won the uh the wwf tag team championship tournament with uh bob holly and he's a two-time hall of famer as mentioned earlier with uh dx and nwo
0: um also it's kind of interesting to think that that guy was only the wcw cruiserweight champion one time i, now, know. I know i know there was a lot of talent there but they, they were really pushing him i mean he was a he was an nwo guy you you'd think that he would have had he would have had the uh Um, had that belt a couple more times. But I guess he would have left, right, to go to the WWF attitude era at that point, right? Kind of towards the end of the 90s? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. But also probably worth noting here with uh, Waltman, he was the Bad Boys of Wrestling Federation Caribbean champion. So hats off to you for that. And also the Great Lakes Championship heavyweight champion. So... (laughs) And he also was
2: in uh, he was at GCW in in 2022. He tagged with uh, Janella for Janella Spring Break. <laughs>
0: nice, nice, yeah, yeah, good stuff, man. Hats off to that guy, man. What a career! I mean, there, I mean for 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 the time that he was around, man, there just was nobody working at that speed. And he just, you go back and watch that guy now, he's just flying around like a freaking maniac, dude, and it's awesome.
1: Yeah,
2: Uh one thing that. You know, he almost, I think he was really close to going into an NXT match whenever Triple H was running it back in, in like 1918, 19. But nothing ever came of it. But um, but yeah, it was I think he might have been close at one point to pulling the, them pulling a the trigger on that. But uh, super happy for that guy. love that he made the list. And uh, I, didn't, I
0: didn't know he was X Division champ. I didn't, I didn't know that he was TNA X Division champ one time.
2: Yeah, I think he had a short run with NXT or I'm not a uh, TNA.
4: So whether you know him as the one, two, three kid, 6-Pac, uh, X-Pac, Sean Waltman is um, one of those people who was there at a great time. He was a... I don't know that he was ever a top guy, but he was in league with the top guys, um, in the top factions. Um, at one point he was kind of the gatekeeper. He gave you the thumbs up or the thumbs down if you were ready to go. Um, he was... He was always around in, in the hottest era, and maybe wasn't the top, top act, but he was, you know, a very... I think he, he reminds me of the definition of a, of a good hand. Um, so I think that's, there's something to be said for that for him. Um, some of the big matches. You know, the 1-2-3 kid moniker came from him getting a surprise win over Razor um, in the early 90s, um, but yeah, he was with the NWO, uh, he was with DX, he was a short time in TNA, um, and I think as a human, he's pretty well-liked overall. He was a, you know, he, he had some demons and he seems to have um, come away on the other side pretty good with them, so um, definitely think that in the grand scheme of everything, he's a really good worker and um, did some innovative stuff for his time.
2: Oh, all right. Well, moving on to number 77 with 85 votes. He came in at number 40 on Mongoose's list. And he came in at 77 on your list, uh, Andretti. So, and that is Mystico.
0: A lot of stuff you can say about this guy, man. I mean, what a, just a, a an up and down career that it's, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that when he's, when he hangs it up, finally, um you know down the road when people start writing writing books about this guy it's going to be really interesting he's going to be a really interesting guy to cover um historically down the road i mean um he's the only luchador to ever win the the wrestling observer newsletter wrestler of the year award he's the only luchador to, do, to ever do that and it's it's crazy you know it, this guy i mean if you start if we try to do this just chronologically i mean an enormous draw, man. Enormous draw. I mean, he maybe maybe one of the biggest draws in the world for almost a decade. At that point, from two thousand to two thousand nine. I mean, his his run just just unbelievable run, man. And again, like when you see these people in the vacuum, right, and what they mean to that area or that promotion of CMLL for him, um, it's just it's selling out, man all the time. People love this guy. He was, he was, he's a, he's still moving tickets. I mean, they had that, they had that show, the AEW show in Houston. The guy moved like, like three or 4,000 tickets, you know, just by announcing that Mystica was going to be on that card. That's a big deal. That's a big deal to think about that. But, you know, it's crazy because he's, he's such a victim of going into WWE at the wrong time right where where you go there and they just strip everything from you right and they, and they turn you into what they want you to be and they take away the character and all that stuff his WWE run is crazy man it's it, he's in there as Sankara the guy just immediately looks like he don't give a fuck right he's in there he's he's just you know, and look, these are other people's words; they're not mine. You know, people are saying the guy's not putting in any effort; he's lazy. You know, yada yada. I mean, there's certainly clips of it. You know, with him, you know, not putting in much much effort, and you know, abrasive. I think too, you know, backstage, and just a guy that just, you know, for whatever reason, just it just didn't work. And they, and they, they punished him for it, man. And they, they really did. They punished him for it. And then the guy just, I mean, that was a major, major signing for WWE when they brought him in. And I remember everybody thinking that was going to be a huge deal. And that guy just, just shit, the bad man. And it, 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 hurt him big time. It really hurt him big time. So he, he went back to, he went back to Mexico, um, wrestling is as, as Carlistico, right. Which is kind of a play on his, on his, um, on his mystico name. Uh, but the guy right now, Dr- Listico in AEW who people probably know from the AEW run, but he's also a Mexican wrestler, obviously. Um, he, um, he actually was Mystico 2 in Mexico whenever Mystico 1, which is Sin Cara, was Sin Cara, right? So I know it gets a little confusing sometimes with the Lucha Libre stuff, but, you know, when, when Mystico went back, um, Dralistico gave him um, the name. Right. So then he became that guy became Jorlistico and then Mystico became Mystico. So, so I, look, I know it's a little confusing, but, you know, it's a big deal. The, the, the names in Mexico are a big deal. The, the masks are a big deal. You know, so for him to go back to that character was um was really a, a, an important thing for him. And, and it kind of I think it kind of just reinvigorated that guy, man, because this is a guy that's got just got world class talent. He always has. Um, but up and down career, man, you know, the, the speed again, I know we're talking about speed with, you know, the NXT women and, and Waltman and, and, and whatnot, you know, kind of being a theme here that I didn't even, didn't even expect that, but kind of being a theme, just the, the, the speed, the agility with him, the high flying. I mean, the guy just, even now at, at 40 years old is just, he's on top of the world, you know, and sometimes I think it's just sometimes, man, when you see these guys in that environment, you know, in, in their particular environment, um. It can be kind of hard to measure them and, and what they mean to that environment, you know. And sometimes when they leave that environment and it doesn't fit, it just doesn't fit. I mean, you take a look at take a look at like the WCW stuff, right? When when W when or I mean ECW when ECW was running those shows. In in small arenas, and the crowd is just insane, right? And people are throwing stuff in the ring and it's a big deal. And you feel like you're a part of something when you're at those shows, right? And then then W, you know, WWE buys ECW, they put ECW into arenas, and it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't work in that environment, right? But and that's kind of I think that's maybe part of some of the things that happen to these luchadors. They they're they're such big stars in that environment. That when they step out of it, maybe, maybe it's not, it's just not the right fit. I mean, I, I think, you know, maybe a way to look at that too. Um, you know, we're, we're measuring wrestlers that are from all these different promotions, but not all those promotions are equal. You know, they, they're all, they're all unique and they all stand out in their own individual way. Right. So when you, but when you look at people that play football in the CFL, right, the CFL has got different rules they've got their own stars right they've got all these badass you know stars in the CFL i mean it's it's hard to measure what that guy's accomplishments is versus somebody that plays in the NFL or you know versus somebody that plays in the maybe somebody's really good in the USFL in that environment right or even NFL Europe something like that like all those people matter and they all matter in that vacuum that they exist in. And sometimes when they, when they leave that or go from, you know, one environment to another, maybe it just doesn't translate over. And I really think that that's kind of what it is um, with the, with the luchadors doors that, that end up coming to North, coming to the United States, you know, from Mexico. And also the fact that the rings are different, dude, in the, in the, especially the, the ropes are different. I mean, everything is different. You got to learn a new style is what it is when you go to the WWE. And I think, Mystico is probably a victim of that, like a lot of others have been over the course of time. But when you look at that guy just in that, in that arena, Mexico environment, dude, and you see those people going crazy, and he's a big time star for them, man. It's just so awesome. It's so awesome to watch it and just immerse yourself in what it is. Just just love what it is, man, and watch what it is. If you it, it, it just, just keep your focus on what it is. And if you can do that, you're gonna have a you're gonna have an unbelievable time watching wrestling, and you're gonna see that this guy is a major deal and a major star and a big draw and somebody that is absolutely deserving of being the wrestler of the year for sure.
2: Yeah, some accomplishments uh, that you already mentioned uh, were biggest uh, for observer stuff. He was uh, best box office draw, uh, best box office draw of the decade, uh, best flying wrestler, and uh, wrestler of the year and Observer Hall of Fame in 2022. And I just know that for myself that, you know, Mystico, I, I didn't even know that that's who it was. I just know him as Sinkara. So, like, I just don't – no one really cared about Sinkara in, in WWE. So, like, that's what sucks is, like, when you go – when stuff doesn't fit and you go outside of, you know, your home base and you take the big WWE stage, it can engulf you. And that's kind of what it seems for that guy, and that sucks. Yeah. I mean, he was also IWGP junior heavyweight champion one time, too. The – um um
0: here's here's a testament to him i mean for for the match that i think people should go check out um is the templario match and that match happened two weeks ago i mean that guy's 40 years old he put on him and templario put on like a four and a half five star match like two weeks ago man um it's just go find it (laughs) go find that match you can watch the highlights on youtube even if you just watch the highlights, you're going to see that these guys are in there just killing it, right? Um, Templorio was really good, too. So he was in there with a guy that was really good. Um, the the Volador match from Fantastic Mania 2019 is another one to go check out, the singles match with him. Um, but, you know, he really got a stigma, dude, from that from that Sin Cara run with the, with the American audience about, God, Sin Cara sucks, right? People were like... This guy doesn't get, he, he just doesn't do anything. He's missing moves. He doesn't care. You know what I mean? And he kind of got that stigma. But now that now that he's back as Mystico um, and had a really good run, his confidence is way up and he's in there and he's having a great time and is killing it, man. Um, go watch, go watch that guy. Go watch that guy in Arena Mexico, in CMLL, and you're you're gonna see a guy that is deserving of, of, of all the praise.
2: All right, and uh, moving on to number 76 with 87 points. He was on uh, Andretti and Mongoose's list. Mongoose had him at 54, and Andretti had him at 71, and that is Kevin Owens.
0: Yeah, very well-respected guy, man. Very trusted. I, I think that that's probably what I kept coming back to when I was making my notes for Owens for this, for this week. Um, trust. They keep they keep going back to this guy because they trust this guy. You, you take a look at the Austin spot from um, WrestleMania from um, from two thousand twenty two. I, I don't even know what number they're on right now. I just I'm going by years at this point. Um, but that um, the fact that they were the ones that, that, that they wanted working with Austin and that Austin wanted to work with him. Um, it just it just shows a level of respect in a level of professionalism and a level of trust that everybody acknowledges and is really comfortable with him. And that's, that's a big deal, man. I mean, when you're, when you're bringing in people from the outside that maybe, you know, maybe they're celebrities or, or maybe they are people that haven't wrestled a really long time that you have to, you have to make Steve Austin look strong, right? You got to make him look like he's the biggest ass kicker in the world. And the fact that Owens was in there selling and doing everything for him and making him look like a million bucks hats off to that guy, man, that, that might be that might be his best accomplishment ever as a, as a singles wrestler is the fact that that his performance against Austin in that match at, at WrestleMania was, was something that I think everybody's going to look back on that and be like, wow, what a, what a great, what a great worker. That guy really is. Um, underrated athleticism, I think is another thing with him. You know, Vince always had a problem with the t-shirt thing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe even broke some barriers with that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he didn't, maybe he did, but the fact that the guy's been wearing a shirt, you know, all these years in a ring. I mean, nobody's done that. So nobody's really ever done that. So you've got a you've got a guy in there that's uh it's kind of broken broken the broken the mold a little bit with that. But I mean universal champion. I mean that's what it is, right? You go back and I, I watched that uh I watched that TLC match from 2020, you know, in the in the uh the pandemic with the fake crowd <laughs> with him and Reigns in that TLC match. And those guys were killing each other, man. That match was unbelievable. So, you know, the stuff he's done with Zayn is, is well-documented over the course of time, you know, with him and, you know, the, the ring of honor run and being the indie darling all those years, then coming up and, and getting the, getting a big push in WWE. It's well-deserved. I mean, he's a, uh, He's a hell of a worker, man. And he's a guy that everybody trusts and everybody wants to work with. And, you know, to to, to get that level of respect from your peers and from promotions when you're in a, an industry that is physical, I think is a, 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 an unbelievable uh, co- a vote of confidence for somebody. So hats off to that guy, man. I mean, he's... He's somebody that is a a future hall of famer, probably across the board. Um, And I'm, I, I I love watching him work. There's not, I don't love watching everybody work, (laughs) you know, but I, when Kevin Owens comes out, I I watch everything he does.
2: Yeah. I, I, I'm a little sad that I didn't put Kevin Owens on my list. I feel like, you know, like looking at my list, he's right around the 100 area for me and I don't want to, and it's not for the fact that I don't like Kevin Owens or I don't think Kevin Owens is good. I just, I didn't know where to put him. Like, should I put him high on my list? Should I put him in the middle? I didn't know. And I feel like there's more meat on the bone for Owens for him to climb. And and I feel like if we do this list again, he's definitely going to be in my list. And Owens was one of the reasons why I started NXT in the first place, because him turning on Sami Zayn at that NXT show was one of the things that got me hooked back into wrestling. When I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm back. I want to watch that. I want to watch that guy. So I want to credit like that angle as getting me back into wrestling and caring about you know NXT and all that. So you know he's he's he he's a Triple H guy like we already mentioned earlier in the show. He literally got handed that belt that Universal Championship belt because Triple H came out and pedigreed. Uh, I can't even remember who was it. Dean was it Ambrose? I can't even remember anymore who he pedigreed. Was it Rollins? Yeah. I can't even remember. He pedigreed somebody and literally just handed that belt right to uh, Owens, and that was on a Raw. So like. It's crazy that 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 happened, and um, but yeah, I I like that. I I I really like Owens. He definitely deserves a spot on the list. I just was so torn on where to put him that I just didn't put him in there at all, which sucks uh on, for on my part. So uh, but yeah, I mean he's been all over the place. Uh, he was a indie darling. He's a Ring of Honor World Champion. Whenever Ring of Honor mattered, um, you know he was. Uh, best brawler in uh, observer the in, a, in the Observer newsletter. He won uh, best brawler from twenty ten to twenty twelve.
0: Yeah, he, three years in a row, three years straight.
2: Yeah, and he was in feud of the year with El Generico and or Sami Zayn. Uh, he was NXT champion, Universal champion, two time Intercontinental champion, US champion, Raw tag team champion, SmackDown champion, and he is the sixteenth Grand Slam champion.
0: The one thing I wanted to say here, too, you know, I was looking through this uh, through this list. He I I just want to put this promotion over because it's pretty fun to watch Um, North Shore Pro Wrestling. He was the he was the North Shore uh, Pro Wrestling champion one time. Um, That is a Canadian promotion. It's a little French sometimes whenever you watch it. But if you can find those North Shore shows all of those shows are fun to watch. So if you're looking, again, man, we're, we're trying to give you, we're trying to just expand people's horizons, right? If you're looking for indie wrestling that is pretty damn good and fun to watch, every show, go find North Shore. I, I, I believe it's on Fight. I believe it's on Fight Plus. I believe it is. But go find it, man. Go find that and check it out. That's a, that's a, a really fun, uh, a really fun indie promotion to, to check out.
4: Kevin Owens is in that interesting generation sort of after WCW um, where it was either your WWE or you're an indie guy and he was top of the heap as an indie guy, worked you know with the Bucks, with um, Adam Cole, Sami Zayn aka El Generico um, and really made a name for himself and really made the indies um, hot with the work that he did and then Came a time where he uh, made the jump to WWE and was kind of in that first class of black and gold brand uh, folks who, you know, rose out of, you know, the perception that indie guys are not WWE guys and and made it uh, to the top in the WWE as well. Obviously, he went through NXT, was an NXT champion. He was a uh, Triple H guy. Um, came to the main roster, was a universal champion, big storylines. He's a Triple Crown champion. Uh, he was recently just working with Sami Zayn again. Um, they're on again, off again. But they're, you know, real life best friends or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, I think the the big endorsement here is that he was picked by Stone Cold to work at Mania with him. Um, and while he's not a Vince kind of guy, He's believable, and he can work with anybody. Um, So definitely something to be said um, for Kevin Owens and his overall impact sort of being in that forefront of moving from the Indies through NXT to the main roster and succeeding there where others may not have. So I think Kevin Owens definitely deserves to be on the list, and he's still doing great work today. He's um, now, he just got traded to SmackDown, and he's, kind of working on his own again. So looking forward to see.
2: Yep. And uh, moving on to number 75, we got coming in at 91 points. So we're finally starting to hit some higher numbers here. Uh, He was, this guy was on everybody's list. I feel like this is one of the first times this is happening on, on the 100.
0: Yeah, uh, I think he probably is. Is he the is he the first guy that's gotten that's gotten I'm votes from all four
2: of us? I'm pretty sure he's a guy. Yeah, he's the only one so far. It may, it took us to 75. It took us 25 deep to get into yeah. something that was on everybody's list. So this is a true entrant into the Podsky 100. He comes in with 91 points. He was on Andretti's list at 84. He was on Mongoose's list at 100. He's on JC's list at 63, and he was on my list at 66. And that is none other than Scotty Steiner, Big Papa Pump, and I love Big Papa Pump. So I I don't remember because I'm a late, I'm a little, I'm a little bit of a younger guy. So I remember my introduction to the Big Bad Booty Daddy was whenever he came <laughs> out, he whenever he was came out at that Survivor Series in 2002. Whenever they kept teasing back and forth that Steiner was he going to join Raw or was he going to join SmackDown, and Steph and Um, Eric, we're going back for trying, who was going to sign him. And he came out and beat the tar out of, uh, I believe it was Dudley boys, I think. But, uh, I love Steiner that everybody will hate his WWE run. I'm here to tell you that it was fantastic. And the only thing that I would change about is that he actually got a WrestleMania match and I, he should have got a WrestleMania match at 19 and or 20, but he should have got one and he didn't.
0: Give him uh, one this year. We're going to be in Philly. Let's see it. Yeah, give him one this year. Get the, the, the sirens <laughs> going to bring him out. Let's do it.
2: Seriously. Uh, he is a Hall of Famer in the WWE slash F. I mean, he, as a singles guy, I mean, him coming out, when you go back, you look at his WCW run, did some awesome stuff with NWO whenever he finally turned heel and became a big singles guy. Perk away from his brother, uh, Rick. Uh, he you know, comes out with a freaking tiger uh, in, in late WCW. Uh, The dude is awesome. Uh, You know, who can't forget about Steiner Math and TNA? One of the greatest things of all time. And just, you know, a lot of people hate on that Royal Rumble 2000 match with Triple H. But that build, everything that they did in the build to that match was grade A professional wrestling. It just sucks that they gave an absolute stinker of a match because it was such a great build with every little thing that they did with the uh, the pose down, the bench press competition, the arm wrestling match—like that shit is so good. Um, but yeah, I love Steiner. Uh, super excited that he was the first guy on the list that was voted in by everybody. So hats off to Steiner.
0: I mean, dude, I, I this guy, man, this guy, so awesome. He's so awesome. He, is
2: so awesome. he I mean, wrestler. He, this is what you, dude. Think
0: he's so awesome. I mean, look my i i've always liked the steiner they're they're probably my in my top 3 favorite tag teams ever but you know when you it's just i think part of that is just the goonery the goonery that goes on with these two jock meatheads that just beat everybody everybody's ass right but um the thing about him dude my favorite thing about steiner is is just the, the late stage wcw run when he's out there with the police sirens and he's the champ, and this dude is unhinged on yeah, the mic, dude. Yeah. And it, going, going back and watching that like late stage WCW stuff, man. I mean, it's not great to watch it, but when you go, when you go back and see it, it's just, it's just amazingly beautiful to watch this guy on the mic, and he's just off, he's just off the chain, dude. He's off the chain with everything he does. Yeah. He's out there with the, he's out there with the, with the freaks, you know. And, and it's. <laughs> It's unbelievable. It's him, him with the freaking the the chainmail on his head, and and it's the whole presentation of him, and he's saying crazy stuff. I mean, I, that is professional wrestling to me, man. It's just like it's one of my favorite things about pro wrestling is is just that that late stage WCW Steiner run when he was in there when they were going to going down the toilet, circling the drain, and he's just out there just just throwing heat every day, man. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, in terms of accomplishments in the news, newsletter, he won best wrestling maneuver in 89 and 90 for this Frankensteiner. He had match of the year 1991 with his brother Rick uh, in, in the WCW New Japan Showdown. Uh, so, definitely check out that match. That was with uh, Kensei Suzaki that we mentioned earlier.
3: Sure. He,
2: he was tag team of the year in 1990 with his brother Rick. And he and the match that I mentioned earlier from Rumble 2003 with Triple H uh, won worst worked match of the year for 2003 so i hate to differ but that's just me
0: um also on so we have you know wcw world heavyweight champion um two-time television champion two-time u.s heavyweight champion you know seven-time tag team champ you know it's it's just an an amazing an amazing list here you know with 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 this guy for sure Uh, i'm trying to see if there's anything else on here that really kind of jumps out I, i mean he was i didn't realize he was uh well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, this would have been earlier. I was thinking like it was later. But, you know, two-time tag team champion, WWF, you know, with um, with his brother. And then Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame guy too, you know. It's it's just amazing, dude. When you look at him, the tag team stuff early on, the early 90s tag team stuff is fantastic. The singles run, you know, down the road where he's just a, an, an unleashed character, man. It's just amazing. I mean, no other word for it, man, other than just, it's just so much fun to watch. All right, coming in. Actually, you know what? I want to say one more thing about Steiner. Um, If you're looking for a match, a singles match, to go watch um, Fall Brawl 2000, him and Goldberg is one to go check out.
4: How can you have a list of the 100 greatest of all time and not have Scott Steiner on this thing, right? Uh, (laughs) I mean, all the the Steiner math and the – Ridiculous promos aside, um, you know, we're not talking about tag stuff, but obviously one half of one of the greatest tag teams of all time, whether that's in NWA or WCW. Um, But as a single, um, he did great work with the NWO, later, you know, kind of fully evolved into a top guy, you know, towards the end of WCW, had a WWE run, had a TNA run, um, and then his work, like, yeah, he's a big jacked-up dude, but, like, could still pull off a Frankensteiner, and that was, like, the hottest of hot moves in its day. Um, he's a Hall of Famer, he owned a Shoney's, you know, there's, whew, there's not much the man hasn't done, and he's still, um, ridiculous. And uh, between the two brothers, apparently he is the, uh, least onerous one, so ham cubes for life, bro. Yep. good one.
2: Uh, all right, so uh, coming in at seventy four with ninety six points, he was on Andretti's list at eighty eight. He was on JC's list at sixty one, and he was on my list at fifty nine. So, kind of JC and I had him in the same uh, area on our list, and that is Yoko Zuna. So, I just felt that personally for myself, I felt that Yoko Zuna was one of the bit be- best original big man that i feel like needs to be showcased in the list almost Um,
0: like a super almost like a super big man super big man super
2: heavyweight yeah like the way that he was able to move around and and everything that he did um had had some issues like late in his career obviously but uh was always at the top of the card and um especially like, you know, he was at WrestleMania nine and had that match with Brett. And then, you know, that whole ending with that schmoz finish was pretty, pretty bland, but. Yeah. Um, it, over, it overshadowed an awesome match. Right. It really did. Um, he, I just feel like oh, Zuna like it, he's part of the Simone family that we all know. Um, just, I feel like he doesn't get the respect that he deserves mainly because, you know, it was in that dead time or the deader-ish time of WWF, and he was a super heavyweight. So, I mean, those guys don't always get the love that they should. Um, but, you know, he was a WW- two-time WWF champion. He went into the Hall of Fame in 2012. He won the 93 Rumble, and he was a two-time uh, tag team champion with Owen Hart. So, um, I just felt that Yokozuna should be on the list, and um super happy that he made it. Um,
0: that's pretty much what I had written down for him, too. I had that he was just... So much more athletic and so much stronger than he really gets credit for. His his agility is is unbelievable for his, for his size. Unreal. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, what a what a an inspiration to people like me that are not you know slim. So I mean, he's, if he can, if if Yoko can do it, maybe I can still do it. Who knows? But uh, there there was a uh, the story. I, look, I don't know if I have the details right about this, but I know the Undertaker had a funny story about um, Yoko Zuna and catering. It just, just slam. I think it was crab rangoons that he was just slamming crab rangoons all night, dude. And when I heard that story, I was, I was driving in my car. I know I was, you know where I was. I was between, I was between Santa Clarita and Fillmore. I don't know what that what that road is right there. I don't even know why I was up there, but I was driving on the road. Whenever I heard Undertaker tell that story on a podcast or something, and I was laughing so damn hard, dude, because I was thinking. Man, what a, what a guy after my own heart. You know, he's sitting there <laughs> crushing crab rangoons. Dude, I would have given anything. I would give anything in the world to be at catering and just, just mauling down crab rangoons with Yoko Suna, dude. How, <laughs> how much fun would that be? You just sit there and just take it all in and you're just smashing crab rangoon. Dude, that'd be the greatest thing ever.
2: For real, it would be.
0: <laughs> so I had for, uh, for match for him. Um, we talked about the the Mania Nine match is awesome. It's it, it, again, it gets overlooked because of the stupidity at the end of it. But um, you know the the ma- he took him on again, right? A year later at ten. At, at, at
2: ten, yeah.
0: That match is really good. So yeah. I would go. I would go check that one out too. Um, the Taker match at Survivor Series '94 is also really good. Oh, and you know what's fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. what's what's fun about that one too is that they're really close friends. The two of them are really close friends, and I think that that always makes for a good match. When you've got people in there that you know or really care about each other and, and they are friends, you know, they're friends off camera. So that's um that's a, a really
2: fun one to go check out, too. Yeah. Uh, thing we didn't mention is he was a member of the BSK, the Bone Street crew. So that's right. That's right.
4: Yoko is one of those guys that uh, as I started getting into the new gen era, he just sticks out because he is so different, right? It just, just a completely different body style, completely different work, um, you know. And he felt like a huge threat, you know. the The foreign menace gimmick is kind of played out and indicative of the era, and maybe doesn't play in twenty twenty three. But um, just, I mean, what a what a presence and and he just felt genuinely scary, especially at a time where. You know, uh, kayfabe may have still been at least a little bit of a thing with people. Um, He just looked scary, right? Um, So you can't, and he's part of the Samoan dynasty, and, you know, was a champion, was a dominant champion for a stretch, um, and quite frankly, never should have lost to Hogan. So, um, yeah, Yokozuna, good, good number 74.
2: All right. Coming in at number 73 with 99 points. We still haven't had anybody to eclipse nine or hundred points yet. So uh he was on three of our four lists. He was on Andretti's at 50, had him ranked the highest. He was not on Mongoose's list. He was 84 on JC's list and he was 70 on my list. And that is Bray Wyatt. So, kind of a really sad story now that we, we, you know, we're kind of going over this now, um, you know, Bray re- recently passed away, but a guy that like, is going to live on forever. People are gonna, people are, there, there's not going to be a world where Bray Wyatt doesn't exist in the WWE. And uh, you know, coming in with that Wyatt family gimmick, like that swamp family gimmick was unbelievable. It was so good. And you know the fireflies, and then you know when it, after he came back after being hurt and doing the the fiend, which a lot of people really connected with the fiend. Uh, you know, basically, if it wouldn't be for Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy doing these, you know, um, the video matches like those types of matches like that, like we wouldn't have the Undertaker getting his last match, or probably his best match that he's done in years. So you know the 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 creativeness behind all of his gimmicks uh is just like this guy was in a world and in a of uh, the world of professional wrestling that he probably shouldn't have been in he probably should have been on like legitimate movies and television but the guy just loved pro wrestling because you know obviously his dad was a professional wrestler in IRS so um you know the fact that you know we didn't get to see the full you know display of what this was going to be with the fiend and uncle howdy and all that a lot of starts and stops in there too, which sucks. And the fact that, you know, Vince put the kibosh on him a lot because he thought it was overweight again. Another guy, like we talked about earlier with Kevin Owens, that Vince just didn't see enough in and um, it just sucks that, you know, he's, he's gone. Uh, But, you know, a guy that certainly deserves to be on the list, an incredible wrestling mind um, in that, you know one of the thing one of the, one of the biggest highlights that i remember was him winning that winning that title in the elimination chamber um that was you know i felt like that was so much deserved a guy that always ate the pins on a pay-per-view i felt like this guy never won i felt like the only time that guy ever won on a pay-per-view was that one is when he won the title um but super decorated uh he's won the i mean literally from the observer he won best gimmick uh in 2000 and uh 13 and 19, he won. I mean, so Dave didn't really like him. Uh, he got most overrated and worst gimmick in 2020, uh, for worst overrated and gimmick, and uh 17 for worst gimmick with Sister Abigail. Um, but he got a lot of bad stuff in that fiend run. And it's because of the way it was booked, and it's not his fault. But a lot of the stuff, a lot of the negativity that you see around Bray Wyatt is because of the fiend, and it's not all his fault either. So no, it's not, it's not his fault, but You know, I I really tried not to project um,
0: whenever I was or or maybe forecast is a better word um, whenever I did my rankings. But I had him at 50. Um, In retrospect, now that's probably high. Um, But I think you guys were probably right uh, when you had him around like you had him at 70. JC had him at 84. We've got him at 73 total. You know, probably about right where it's at. 50 is a little high, I think, right now, you know, looking at it. But um, for me, um, Wyatt is a guy that history is going to be very good to. When they when it's all said and done and we look back on this 10 years from now, um, I think it's going to be – it's it's going to be he's going to he's going to be a really important figure and he's going to be beloved and really respected when you look back history history is going to be really favorable to Bray Wyatt and I, and I think it really should be um, but I mean look there's been a couple people that we've talked talked about here where you know they just got the Vince curse man for whatever reason and and you know they. One of the problems with WWE that they've had was that they go so far with things sometimes that there's nowhere to go anymore. They they push it all the way to the limit, and then it's just it's just done. There's nowhere to go. I mean, once you burn a guy alive and kill him in a match, like what, what the hell are you doing next? Right. There's there's nowhere to go after you do that, right? But like you said, man, I mean, the the, the guy, the creepy guy in the swamp that was the cult leader with the freaking lantern. If they just would have kept it as that and transitioned The Undertaker into him and just let him be the next supernatural guy without all the stupid fiend stuff, um, he should have been the guy that beat The Undertaker, man. He should have been the guy that break the streak. He should have been a guy like a Jake Roberts that that never really needed a belt but was always a threat and was always a a big player. Um, And I don't know why they lost the plot on that, but this – look, man, Jake Roberts is not a hell of a worker either. You know I mean? And he was a guy that had a career for 70 years, you know, it seems like, but I mean, this, this is Bray Wyatt should have been that next guy. He should have been the guy that was able to work with anybody and, and, and could just be always a constant threat, maybe, you know, changing out the members of the family off and on, you know, here, here again um, over the course of time and just evolving it. But I don't know why they. I don't know why they did what they did with that guy, man. Because they had something really special with him, and they just what, just just what a miss, what a miss. And so it's 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 heartbreaking to think about that. I mean, this is a guy that seemed like a a can't miss guy, you yeah. know. That they just they just missed, man. They missed, and you and the stuff with the red light, um, you know, and the fiend, the crazy awful matches he had with Rollins. I mean, come on, dude. They they killed this guy maybe deader than anybody they he was a he was a main event guy um especially in a promotion that the wrestling wasn't always the focal point he was a main event character that should have been a main event level guy for 20 years dude and they just they just dropped the ball with him and it's really sad just to think about that
2: yeah it is
0: but that you know that that the the Danielson match from the Royal Rumble 2020. Um, oh, I believe that was a red light. Correct?
2: Yeah, that was a red. That was a red if light. You,
0: look, if you can get if you can get past it, if you can get past it, the match is good. So go check that one out if you if you want to check something out.
4: Bray Wyatt is one of those really interesting wrestling stories where the potential was always through the roof. Um, you could see that he was a hot merch mover, wildly creative, right, and um, probably had two of the hottest gimmicks of the last twenty years, um, between the swamp cult leader, Cape Fear character, and then the fiend. Um, it, just the creativity that the guy had, and the you know out of the box thinking, was you know uh, un, um, unparalleled in his era. Um, and when he was great, he was great. Uh, and then when it when the gimmick kind of ran its course, it ran its course. Um, And I know some people don't like it, some people do like it. It's, you know, it's flavors of ice cream. Um, But the dude could seriously talk, could, you know, had a great idea for psychology, was a great sports entertainer, um, lost way too soon. Uh, It's a a huge shame. And I think if there was ever going to be a successor to the ridiculously spooky but longevity of undertaker it was probably going to be bray wyatt um and it's a shame that we lost him so soon um because the potential was always through the roof
2: yep all right so uh moving on to 72 our final two remaining on the show we have another guy that was on everybody's list here uh that he came in at 48 on andretti's list 86 on mongoose's list 79 on jc's and he came in at 92 on mine and he had 99 points overall and that is the big show and i know that uh our friend good friend of the show beautiful bobby winners he's going to shut the show off at this point because he can't stand the big show uh but just a guy that came in with an insane amount of charisma and, you know, literally won the title in WCW right away. Um, First match, first night, like, and then career looks like it's going to be skyrocketed. Like, they build him as, like, Andre's son for a little bit. Um, And then, you know, he takes, like, a, a big down swoop uh, in WWE, like, in those early 2000s, and then he makes a huge resurgence, and he literally accomplishes everything in WWE. Just a guy that Got himself into incredible shape in later years now is working backstage with AEW, a, a super decorated guy, um, that you can't discredit because of his like his resume is what you want from somebody that's done everything in the business.
0: Yeah, man. His his list of accomplishments is incredible when you when you look back on it just on paper. But I mean, like you said, man, he did he did he peak in his debut match? I mean that's it's, it's crazy to think about that, right? I mean, it's crazy to think about that. But you know, the fact another guy, you know, Hogan brought in. I mean, Hogan found the guy, brought him in. Um, I never liked him in the NWO. I never thought that was the right fit. That whole his whole NWO booking was just garbage. It was all garbage. I mean, my my one of my favorite things about him is just him coming to the ring smoking heaters. I mean, the dudes out there smoking cigarettes oh, during matches. That. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I love I love it. Loved every second of that. But um, you know. The Dungeon of Doom stuff. I'm always gonna love that. You know the the goofball stuff in wrestling. I'm I'm a big sucker for that every time. You know, but the um the the um <laughs> the Dungeon of Doom with him and he's Andre's kid. I mean, dude, what are we what are we doing, right? But it was just so awesome. It's so awesome. But you know that the late WCW run was terrible, and then he 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 goes to WWF and gets a fresh coat of paint. And he comes in as a big star and it just, it just doesn't work. I don't, I don't know what happened. It just didn't work. Um, But then he, then he ended up, you know, like you said, having a, having a really good run later on. But I mean, look, look, man, hats off to the guy. I mean, you know, 20 year career, 30 year career, he can't beat it. You mean he's, he, he you know, fed his family for 30 years (laughs) off of pro wrestling. And he was, he was treated like a pretty big star for most of that, you know, but you know, I don't know, man. Was it something where he we just we all overrated him? I don't know. Did he did he just not, you know, did he not grow the way we thought he was gonna grow in a ring? I don't know. Maybe we all just overrated that guy from the get-go. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, for the observer stuff, you know, he he has a lot of the bad stuff that Dave likes to throw in there. Uh, but he, you know, he was rookie of the year in 96. So he was also uh the 12th uh, Grand Slam champion and he was the 24th Crippled trout Crippled, Triple crown champion in WWE. So, like, the guy's literally done everything that you can think of in in terms of WWE world. Like, he's done it all. So, hats off to him.
0: Yeah, if you're looking for a match to watch with him, I mean, I got to say it. You got to go watch the Monster Truck sumo match. Halloween Havoc 95, where they're on top of Kobo Hall, him and Hogan with the Monster Trucks welded together.
2: It's so awesome. Go check that out. Yeah, the other one that I think of, too, is whenever Brock Lesnar uh, superplexed him off the top rope on a SmackDown in the in the ring exploding. That's the first time that happened. I remember watching that when it aired live whenever I was a little kid. Like, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, good stuff.
4: Whether you knew him as the Giant, Big Show, Paul White, you know, whatever, however you knew him, I mean, you, you don't forget. An, uh, an act like him because of his just you know humongous size, the look. I mean he was a modern Andre, right? That's what he was supposed to be. and whether he panned out to be all of that or not, you know that's for other people to decide. but you know in a time where there wasn't that guy early in his career or there were people later in his career who were also huge people. I still think he was the most enduring. And yeah, you can complain about his flips and good guy this week, bad guy next week, blah, 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 blah. And that's that's booking. That's not necessarily him. Um, you know, there was stuff in his early career that stuff guys his size shouldn't be able to do. Um, obviously, being that big takes its toll on his body much faster um, than someone smaller. And he had certain things. But, um, you know, and looking back at it, He was one of the early people who made John Cena uh, for that U.S. title match back in the day. And um, I think part of his enduring legacy will be about how much of a good guy he was behind the scenes. Um, If you listen to some stories from people, he really took care of people early in their career. Um, He was in a movie. He's Captain Insano. Who doesn't love a good Captain Insano gimmick? (laughs) And really... (laughs) Who doesn't love the cigarette gimmick when he would come out, uh, in WCW smoking a cigarette that gets me every time. So, uh, probably the most enduring big guy attraction since Andre.
2: All right. Our final entrant for today, this is the first entrant to have scored over a hundred points and he is on everybody's list. And uh I'm gonna let Andretti take this one away because I know that he loves this guy, but he comes. Uh, in- dude, I
0: love Sid. I
2: love Sid so much. So look, we I had him at 55, Mongoose had him at
0: 75, JC had him at 97, you had him at 75. Well, I am honored to be the guy, the run point for Sid on, on this show. And I uh dude, I'm telling you, he's one of the meanest looking people in human history. <laughs> this guy just looks like holy shit, this guy, you can't, you can't ask for a better physical looking heel with just facials and body and size and strength than Sid Vicious, man. He looks like such an ass kicker, dude. And it's, it's unreal. I was scared to death of this dude. When I was a little kid, I was scared to death, man. When he, when he joined the horsemen, I was like, oh, God, he's going to kill everybody now. He, he's going to be even scarier than he ever was, right? But, I mean, I I, I really love that. Uh, I love that WCW run with him, too, where he was out there with that guy that was the judge, and they had the stretcher, and they were just powerbombing fuckers all over the place, dude. Like, that was – it's so awesome to see, to see that. Like, I was so – I was so into wrestling and so into ECW whenever that happened. And Sid shows up and the freaking place explodes and he's in there powerbombing dudes into a stretcher and they're carrying people out on a stretcher and on a gurney, even, you know, not even a stretcher, it was a gurney. So it was, it's just really great to see. But I mean, you know, greatest worker in the world. No, but when you look at, when you look at just the physicality of this guy and the, just the presence of him is just, it's so just awesome and he's so evil and he's so mean. And he just looks like somebody that you just don't ever want to cross paths with. What an unbelievable heel this guy was, man! And again, like you know, greatest wrestler in the ring? No, he's not. But he 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 maximized what he did, and he was able to get through it. And he he worked really well with with people that were super talented. Um, talking about Benoit, sold out two thousand versus Benoit, awesome match. The stuff with Michaels. I mean, you can't you can't ask for a better heel. You can't ask for a better villain for a babyface, man. This guy just a, just a ass kicker awesome
2: yeah and Sid uh you know he was a two-time WWF champion he was world heavyweight champion in WCW uh he's USWA Texas heavyweight champion he was unified world heavyweight champion in USWA as well uh just he gets a lot of shit from Dave Dave does not like Sid but I tell you what uh, can you,
0: how can Dave not like Sid I mean it, it just just by looking at this guy how how do you think he's not a main event heel? When, he, when he's going up against like freaking Shawn Michaels, he's a perfect guy for Michaels.
2: I know. I mean, I'm only saying Dave doesn't like him just because of the he got most overrated and worst work match and all those. So that's what fun. I
0: don't. I don't know if those yeah. are Dave's rankings or are those the, the voter rankings.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. Either way, means, it doesn't matter. Order, way. but you, the, a guy that just oozes charisma. And charisma oh yeah, I love I'm, a softball player as well. I love a softball player.
4: Yeah, Sid had a look that you know it being so big but also being absolutely just ripped up looking like a trillion and a half dollars uh, kinda had a interesting promo style that real intense uh, and then scraggly kinda of voice not scraggly but like scrappy kinda of voice that went with it but the intensity with which he delivered those and the look that he had yeah, it's really unique it was he definitely a Vince kinda guy um And he was also in WCW. He he was heavyweight champion in both those organizations. Um, And I think I sum it up best by saying he had warning track power as a wrestler. But, man, he had all the hitting power in the world as a softball player.
2: All right, so that concludes the list today. That was 80 through 71. So we will be back in two weeks. And we got
0: some, we got some big names coming up here on the next uh, one. So I was looking at the next list. It's going to be a lot of fun doing
2: them. Yeah, we got a big list. We got a big ones coming up. We got seventy through sixty-one. So uh, next week on the show, we're doing Hot Shots weeks uh, twenty-one or twenty-three through and twenty-four, and those are that's the penultimate episode of um, Hot Shots Wrestling Alliance, and then we're going into Hot Shots of Mania. So you know we've got. A lot of great stuff coming up here on Oposki. The Posky 100 is rocking and rolling. Once once Hot Shots ends, we're going to be continuing with the rest of the list. We're going to count it down right to 100, and then we're going to do the Halloween Awards show thrown in there as well. So... Uh, yeah, we
0: got we got something really special cooking for this week and we're gonna to try to record it this week for the tooth and nail. We're gonna go we're gonna do a little football thing that I think is gonna be really, really, really fun to record and really fun um to, to listen to. Uh I don't want to give any spoilers, but be on the lookout for that. We're going to drop the second episode of the tooth and nail. Um, It's going to be fantastic, man. I'm really looking forward to to recording that later this week and hopefully getting that up maybe by the end of next week. Um, Little high school football thing. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a lot of fun to check that out. So keep an eye out for that.
2: Yes, keep a lookout for the tooth and nail stuff. Um, So, yeah, so make sure you check us out uh, on – uh, all the socials at the underscore Podski on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel if you're watching us on YouTube right now. Thank you. Make sure you drop a like and subscribe, and make sure you check out the Cambria County Corner on Instagram. And with that, we will see you next time on the Podski.